0: Uh, Thank you for coming to church. Thank you for coming to church if you're doing so online, on YouTube and Facebook Live, and also on Kingfisher FM, the local uh, Christian radio station. Uh, Always awesome to have you in church. I know you could have been doing a lot of other things, uh, but thank you for choosing to be in church and in church with us uh, using any format or platform. So would you please welcome one another to church, including online and on radio. Um, I have just one or two more things to say, and then I'm jumping straight into a new three-week series. Uh, I have here uh, a a, a, a temptation, (laughs) is what it is. These are pancakes, and I'm guessing the reason why they've been given to me to advertise is because our youth department is raising support and marketing, I guess, letting it be known by doing this, that... We're relaunching summer camp for schoolgoers in 2024. So summer camp is happening. Yes, I think that's deserving of a run. The young people aren't here. They're, uh... But I want to encourage you. If you're not on an eating plan like me, then I want to suggest that you get yourself a pancake in the coffee shop over the next couple of months. And then, if uh, if I could just get rid of them from here, that would be great. I mean. Pass them on, not get rid of, sounds very dramatic. Um, To to pair with that, I also wanted to say that we will in the next week or two uh, open our um, uh, internship application for 2024 and each year our internship program takes on a shape a different shape depending on who the people are, what the season is of the church's life and opportunities. And we feel very much like this will be uh, a personal growth and development, a spiritual impartation gap year for people next year, and we will include in this program plans to have an intern home where we can accommodate people, a home for guys, a home for girls, and to be able to run an internship program on scale for school or university leavers who are looking for a personal a development gap year held within the context of a spiritual family. So if you're thinking about that, consider that. And if you're watching online and you're somewhere else in the world, why not Mandela Bay? It will be the best option for you. I'll say that with somebody from the mayor's office here. You absolutely should come to Mandela Bay. But I genuinely believe that. So consider that, uh, everybody. I want to encourage you to come tonight wearing the same rugby jerseys you are wearing today, except for one gentleman on my left in the front who is not in keeping with the work of the Lord uh, in the sports space and has opted to wear an all-blacks jersey. So I was unable to hug him this morning. (laughs) Thank you for loving me through it all. Matthew chapter 17 is the starting point of our conversation. I'll introduce to you the topic uh, title in a moment. Matthew 17, 19 says, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive that evil spirit out? And he replied, Because you have little faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here. Uh, to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Amen. Of course, when you read that scripture in Cape Town, it has a different ring to it, and people take it very, very sensitively when you suggest moving mountains. But this is an interesting passage of scripture because at face value, there seems to be a contradiction in it. Jesus is saying the disciples were trying to drive out a demon or an evil spirit from someone. They were unsuccessful. They came to Jesus in private. Already this morning we've been talking about what happens in private, what happens in public, and so forth. And they asked Jesus, us." what went wrong? Why couldn't we get rid of that problem uh, or that demon uh, in in this situation? And Jesus said, you don't have enough faith. And then he says, if you only have faith the size of a mustard seed. So, I mean, it, it could sound a little insulting, like you don't even have the faith the size of a master seed. But there is something very important about this passage of scripture I want to draw your attention to, and that's the idea that small steps create significant changes. And I think we live in a world in which everything has to be dramatic. Everything has there's so, everything. It's so much drama. I have put myself on a clock now as far as podcasts and YouTube videos. I'm only prepared to watch a certain amount in a week because I don't know anymore. I don't know if I'm supposed to eat seven almonds to last uh, five years longer, or if I should stop eating almonds or cashews are evil or cashews are not evil. I don't know if I'm supposed to only eat meat or only eat plants. I just don't know anymore. And then this drive to live longer, I'm not, you know, why? What are you planning to do with your life? You aren't doing much now, so I don't know if, like, you want to do another 10 years of that? I don't know. I'm just so confused. It's all so dramatic. you got to get rid of this and you've got to start walking on the ground. You've got to walk on the earth. There's a movement now. You've got to take your shoes off and work, walk on dirt. You've got to walk on dirt. Because, I don't know, it grounds you. It's so cheesy. Like, so much stuff going on. And, you know, we're tempted to think that the answer to whatever it is we're wrestling, that whatever evil spirit or demon we're fighting, the answer is going to be some dramatic thing. And Jesus is saying, it's not a big thing. It's a little thing that's got you caught up. And it's not a big thing, it's a little thing that's going to shift you into your victory. And I think we have to be careful not to bother the lie that the problem is you have to do something big and dramatic in order to see something big and significant, and Jesus says a mustard seed sown in the ground, give it time, will grow to do what it's supposed to do, just plant it, and He will perform it. He will perform it. And I I'm so relieved by the idea that it's not much, it's not far. You know, Jesus says that, uh, the Bible rather in Romans says that our faith uh, is not far from us. It is near us, even in our hearts. It's this idea that it's not out of reach, that Jesus is reminding us it's not so difficult. And I want to encourage you that in the world in which we're being suggested that things are difficult or complicated, can we just say that Jesus teaches us it's not that complicated, it's not that difficult, it's not that hard, it's a small thing, and a small thing will cause a significant shift. Can you say amen to that? I think we're unnecessarily overwhelmed by the spirit of this world. So I've titled my message, The Butterfly Effect. Now, some of you know that that was a movie in 2000 and something. I'm not old enough to remember. Okay. Uh, It was in 2006, according to Wikipedia. But the butterfly effect, uh, I mean, I've put the definition up there for those of you who really want to get content. But the butterfly effect is is a title, is a derivative from what? They call chaos theory, which is what I think the world is living in at the moment. I don't need to study it. I just need to look out my window. Ah, chaos theory. Um, uh, And and the butterfly effect is basically a metaphor. It's a description of an idea that this uh, meteorologist suggested that a butterfly flaps its wings in one place, and weeks later, that could be one of the causes of a tornado. Uh, I, I mean, that's intense, eh? That's heavy. Like every time I see a butterfly now, I'm like, Did you, are you going to kill people now? What are you? <laughs> Just an innocent butterfly flapping its wings there by my flowers. Evil. But there is an idea, that the actual point is that everything is connected and there is a message in that. There is a message in the idea that I can't separate what I do in private from what I do in public, and then think I'm living a genuine life. I can't separate my church language from my everyday language, and then think I'm gonna have an authentic life. I can't separate the small things from the big things and think the big things are gonna somehow cover the small things. They all work and flow together as one. The little things add up to something big, and uh, even tiny things can have big impact, positive or negative, negative. positive or negative. A small negative step is going to have a big impact later, and a small positive step is going to have a big impact in due course, in due season. Can you say amen to that? Just in due season, And so, over the next three weeks, starting today, uh, I want to share a little around that, so I have the time um, to unpack that a little. Titus chapter two um, says this, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Grace is a wonderful thing. I believe in grace. I don't believe there's another option. Grace is God's language to our salvation. But you know one of the things about grace? It does this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So today, part one of the butterfly effect, I want to talk to you about being set free from the tornado of a toxic self. (sighs) Being set free from the tornado of a toxic self. Do you know, I'm convinced that the, one of the greatest evils, if we talk about a demon that can't be driven out easily, one of the greatest evils of our world today, the one we live in, not the one historically and not the one of the future, the one we live in, is that everybody is too interested in being self-centred pleasing oneself in all of life's expectations it should be for my benefit what do i get out of it or oh, i don't do it and you know that is a demon that needs to be taken out by small steps to outfox it in the name of jesus there is a risk in thinking that uh, there will ever come a time when you can make self happy that's a terrible mistake. Self is so demanding. You know, the book of Proverbs says that self uh, uh, has two children. They are named give me and give me. <laughs> Selfishness has two children, give me and give me. It's just never enough. It's never enough. Uh, because uh, you, you will never come to a place, according to the Bible, you'll never come to the place where you can say, I am content, if what you're looking for is to make self-content. Self is not contentable. just isn't. And the world is, do you know they're making money out of you because of it? Every time somebody publishes on social media, you have to have, you you have to. Are you not snacking on the bark of a (laughs) what-what? You have to. You've got to snack on the bark of a apple, I to find a tree the other day. i am going to tell you the story. I tried to find this, really, this one tree I really wanted to grow. I found out later it's from China, so that's a whole other conversation we can have another time. But it's called a ginkgo tree. A ginkgo tree. Have you heard of a ginkgo tree? Google it, but not during church time. This is Jesus' time now. And I couldn't find one, and I've been looking, and I've been looking, and I asked nurseries, and my my friends who own a nursery, I asked Carl, and he's like, George, I'm a tribe, but they're hard to get. So I'm in the city of George, high city of George. Great work happening there in our church, really amazing. And there's a big nursery there, so I was driving around, I got there early, hi, you know what, uh, ma'am, so we're having this, we're chatting nicely, and she looks at me and she goes, oh, you look like you're probably an architect. And I said building lives. <laughs> anyway, I, was, I, I played along, I said, you know, I, I, the problem is I've got a very demanding client who wants a ginkgo tree. I am the client. But she said, so we've got, but they're very small, and we don't sell them beca- if they don't have leaves on, and it's winter, they don't have leaves. And I said, ma'am, well, what are we going to do about that? <laughs> said, I could... Could stand here and wait until it makes leaves, but <laughs> it's very long. She said, how long are you going to be here? I said, you mean in George? I said, the weekend, but I've only got today. I'm here to preach. Oh, you're a preacher. I'll come to the service. Great. You should come to the service. Bring a ginkgo tree. <laughs> and she said, no. She said, so if you are here, if you are here after 2 p.m., I will sell you a ginkgo tree. I thought, okay, well, I mean, it's half past one. I can roam around and grab a cup of coffee. And then I realized afterwards that at one minute to two, the owner of the nursery leaves. (laughs) He doesn't know that he's got one ginkgo tree less until he hears this message. (laughs) I asked the man, why don't you sell it without leaves? And she said, because people don't want to pay money for trees without leaves, so we have to wait until they get leaves. I said, no, I'll pay. I'll pay the full amount. Why did I tell you that story? I planted it. I Googled it. And then I read, you should make tea from the leaves. If you make tea, you will live five years longer. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Every, it's unnecessary. Uh, all the lies, they sell you because you think there's something missing. And what's missing is not in the soul, it's in the spirit yes. that the answer comes. The soul is always. Is that capable of a moment? The soul is the soul is always hungry, always hungry. Don't wait to satisfy the soul. Just mm-hmm. satisfy the spirit and let the spirit satisfy your soul. Soul's always hungry. When I think of a small step with a big impact, a biblical example of a butterfly effect, I think of Joseph's life. I think of how Joseph, who was the victim of jealousy, but also the victim of selfishness, his own selfishness, and how that, that the consequence of that landed him in, a, in slavery and in a pit and in a prison, and then he got chased by Potiphar's wife. And then, he landed up in jail, and then he became prince. But what he needed to learn was the sacrifice of self so that God's will will come to pass in your life. And sometimes we don't recognize or remember just how Joseph came across. We think of him as the guy with the nice coat, and the guy who told his parents and his brothers they would bow down to him. Very bad idea. But he was He was self-centered at first. And when he went through all of that journey, he represents himself through it all as a new kind of man. And when after all of that happened and he meets his brothers and his family again, his tone is completely changed. Listen to his language when he meets his brothers and they worried that he's going to want vengeance for how they treated him. Look at what Joseph says in Genesis 50. Verse 20, it says, But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I will not take God's place. I am not God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present outcome, that many people will be kept alive as they are this day. You know, it's so easy to say, These things are harmful to me or attacking me. Spare me from all harm. But let me tell you, some harm, some struggle, some suffering, some sacrifice, some laying down of self is necessary for you to become and be the person and the place that God had intended for you. We need to resist this present worldly attitude that I must please my own self. And we need to embrace the idea that I am crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. We, we need to re-embrace the idea that I exist to be a, a pleasure to the Father and He does not exist in order to please me. And Joseph didn't start out like that. He had a very selfish attitude. In fact, he would have been initially the nerd in his family circle. I know nerd is not a biblical term, but I don't know how else to describe the man I'm going to read to you about in a minute. Listen to Joseph's attitude in his own family. You'll know exactly, and if you know someone like this, don't point at them, just pray for them. And if you don't know someone like this, the old preacher joke is it's you. Joseph... It's such a tired joke. The preachers need to come up with some better material. Genesis 37, Joseph being 17 years old. Let's just imagine him. He's 17 and he wears a rainbow. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bela and the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. You know, you may have missed that first part, but here's what happened. Joseph is 17 and he's with his brothers, and the brothers were, they were all looking after the family business, but some of the brothers weren't doing a very good job. So 17-year-old Joseph goes to his dad, and he says, you know what, my brothers, they're not good at their jobs. He carried a bad report concerning them. He gossiped. He's He's that guy. He's that guy in the family. Dad, you know what? Oh, I can just picture the dining room table, brothers walking past him, rolling their eyes at the 17 year old rainbow. Like, I can't deal with this guy. But his father loved him. Um, he was a lot lamiki. I don't know what the is there an English word for that? There isn't a, hey? yeah. It was I mean, you can't say it was the late one. It's awkward. <laughs> you, 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 the, you, English need to come up, catch up a bit. Uh, I'm just making trouble now. Now I'm being that guy. He was selfish. He was self-centered before the dream. He hadn't even had the dream yet. He already had this attitude of rushing home and saying, Dad, 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 you know what my brother did? You know what he didn't do? That same man, um, 10 chapters later, I will not take the place of God. I am not God. What a change from a self-centered approach to a set-free approach. And maybe now is a good time in our spiritual journey to say that not all my deepest inner wishes are all going to be met immediately or ever. So long as the Lord is well pleased with me and when life ends, it is not me who gets to say what a lovely life, it is him who gets to say well done, good and faithful servant. Just flip the script. Second Timothy 3 is, listen, this next verse, it's, I'll just read it, then I'll give you three points. And you'll be having coffee in 10 minutes. But it is an intense scripture. Okay, we will just be calm about it? It's a hectic scripture. It's the most hectic scripture, in my opinion, in the New Testament. Is it already up there? It's intense. Okay. But but we're going to say it with a smile. uh, And we're going to love the Lord through it. Okay. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful on TikTok. (laughs) Is it not there? (laughs) Proud on Facebook, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form or type of Christianity of godliness, but denying it has any power. Have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind, oh now it gets, gets very intense. I'm going to go on anyway, because it's there. And then I'm running. They are the kind that, who worm their way into households and gain control over gullible women who are loaded with sin and insecurities and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I mean, that could have been written about a survey done last week on the world. It's all there. And it was there all along. The self is an unsatisfiable, ungrateful, unloving, unforgiving, unkind character. But the man or the woman who has crucified the self and is raised in newness of life can say, The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who gave himself up for me, so that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells also in me. Self doesn't win, the new self wins. I want to encourage you to be determined to lay down a toxic self. There are three things I very briefly want to draw from that passage of scripture. Three statements to overcome and three um, statements of victory. The first is the idea of self-improvement. Self-improvement is a deception. One of the most dangerous things the world is teaching us is that we can reinvent ourselves ourselves in our own strength. We can certainly be better and do better. But the only thing that truly improves us is to bury the old and be resurrected in the new. You can paint the old building, but what you need is to demolish it to ground zero, build on firm foundations, and establish something that is built on the rock so that the storms may come and the house still stands. Forget about self-improvement gurus who for a small monthly fee will help you be better. Put your trust in God. Start saying no to self and yes to the Saviour. Self-improvement is an easy deception. But start taking the step of saying no to self. Secondly, be aware of the danger Of the self doubt demon. There is a spirit in this world that suggests that we're never enough. And then we try to meet that deficiency in an unholy way. I don't know if you know this, but you're not enough in your own strength. You're not enough yet of a father, you're not enough of a husband. You're not enough of a wife. Oh, you guys are getting ready to pick up your stones. Let that prophet pray, preach his last message. I'm not enough as a pastor. I'm not enough as a son. I'm not enough as a brother. I'm not enough as a friend. It is the truth of scripture and it ought to drive me to my redeemer because where I am weak, he makes me strong. I desperately need him to make me sufficient and abundant, but I'm not enough. Just deal with that. And stop paying other people to tell you that. There is this demonic sense of that. What do I need to do to overcome it? I need to step up and stand nearer. Stand nearer to the Lord and then you will be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stand far away and you'll be tempted by all the humanistic ways of trying to be enough. You think getting that house will make you enough. You think driving that car will make you enough. You think having one more, one more child, one more relationship, one more something will make you enough, one more business. But I'm just telling you, it will not be enough because self only has two children and they are called, give me, give me. It's not enough. I know as a pastor, there are not enough chairs, the building isn't enough, the aircons aren't enough, the staff isn't enough, the parking lot, well, that really isn't enough. But there isn't enough. At some point, if that's where you're looking for, you've got to stand nearer to the Lord and say, Lord, that which is lacking, will you be our supply? That which is insufficient, will you be our supply? This is why a man who in the eyes of other men appears poor can be so rich, and a man who in the eyes of other men can be so rich but is poor in their hearts. That's why somebody goes to their small house but sing songs of praises and others go to their triple story and lock the door behind them and cry at night to bed because they haven't learned who to feed, self versus spirit. And the self is selfish, it's never enough. And then finally, this great deception of self-love. You've got to love yourself, they say. Stand in front of the mirror and say, you're a legend. (laughs) You'll have to be a short mirror in my case. Stand in front of stuff and love yourself. That's the answer. But in the last times, men will be lovers of themselves. You know the problem with loving yourself in an un way. There's a Christian way of doing it. I'll tell you the Christian way quickly, then we can then we can end on a high note. I don't know. Is that what you say? There is a. You can't read part B of the sentence without reading part A. Please, please, Christians, please just read. Please, can you just read the whole verse? Just the whole verse, where it starts and where it finishes. Please. The whole Lord's Prayer, 66 words. That's it. Just Can we finish the whole thing? It does say, as you love yourself. But the sentence says that you have to love others as you love yourself. You can only be a lover of self insofar as it is an enabler that you can get over yourself to love somebody else. That it's one sentence. I, I do love myself enough to get over myself, to be of help with somebody else. <laughs> right? Parents know what this is like. Like it, you know. Whatever your needs are, when your kid needs you, you get over your stuff and you help your kid because your love for the other has made you overcome your dislove for yourself. You step past this self-love deception by learning to step into sharing the good news. We've got to get back to telling people about Jesus. It sorts us out. We've got to get back to telling people, God made all the difference in the world to me. And when we do that, when when we have the courage to do that, the appropriateness of self-love then kicks in. Self-love is a function of just being available to God for others. And then self-love happens. In fact, the world has started to catch a glimpse of that. They say if you're feeling depressed about your circumstance, go help somebody else in a worse position than you. They picking up a spiritual thing there, that if I go help somebody who's had it tougher, and they can smile, maybe I can say to myself the same thing that David did in the Psalms. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. That's the Old Testament version of snap out of it. But from a biblical point of view. I want to end. I'm at three minutes over time. But like I'm not really preaching tonight, so like I wanted to get it all out of my system. Tonight's like 30 minutes of mostly worship and then um, uh, rugby cheering. You should come, you should come. Get out your house tonight, you should come. I don't want to uh, belittle um, genuine um, therapies and psychological conditions. I don't want to pretend that they're not there. I acknowledge that they are and I myself have been a Benefited by a beneficiary of walking with somebody um, some years ago professionally. But I also don't want you to think that there's a magic formula, a magic potion, or a magic mentor out there whose name is not Jesus Christ. Those other things are supplements to the real meal, and the real meal is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Would you please stand with me as we pray? over I think 400 people are connected or 400 connections, TVs or devices watching online. and I just want to thank you for staying through the service and being part of our, our family. <clears throat> the team who come to the front here do so to make themselves available to pray for you about anything. It can be about what we talked about this morning, but it can be on anything that's bothering you or that you feel you need to, to pray for, be prayed for or that you'd like to celebrate. Come give thanks to God. We've recently had an influx of people filling in prayer requests and praise reports to say, God came through for me. I got a job. God came through for me. I was healed. And maybe you want to just celebrate that with someone. And we respect and acknowledge that. But I want to take a moment to ask you to, in your own heart, surrender self to the Saviour. And that a lot of problems get sorted out when we're not trying to make self happy. And when we're trying to be pleasing to the Lord. Just a lot of stuff gets sorted out. So Lord, this morning we thank you. Uh, We acknowledge that you are first. We are not first. We echo the statement of Joseph. I will not take the place of God. I am not God. I leave it with God. What was intended to harm me has actually been turned around by God for the good. Lord, will you help us recognize that self is selfish, but that when we are crucified with Christ, we are raised into newness of life. And something really dramatic and significant happens. That this month in our conversations, will you teach us that small things have big impact? And that if we're doing small things that are harmful, to cut them off because they're bigger than we think. And if we need to do small things spiritually, to not put it off, because it'll have a bigger effect than we think. Would you help us take the walk of faith? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving?